Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Today we are going to look at what it means to be a disciple. What it means to be a disciple. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? We come to church on Sundays, we gather here and we receive good word. Amen? Amen. Week after week. But my question firstly to myself and then to you is do we apply what we have learned? Do we really apply what we learn? Do we practice what we preach? Are we allowing the word to influence our daily lives? To have knowledge is good. Eh? To know things, to know the word is good. But it is useless if we do not use it. Eh? That's what the definition of the word useless is. No use. It's of no use if we do not apply the word to our lives. I really believe that here in Grace Life we get good word. Amen? We get good word. I believe truly that the gospel is preached purely here. We preach about the, our gospel is truth. Amen? The gospel that we preach is truth. It is the same gospel that Paul preached and that the first apostles yeah. preached. Yeah. It is the gospel of God's grace. Amen. God not treating us as we deserve, yeah. but so much better. The gospel of forgiveness. Amen. Amen. The gospel of what Jesus did and not what we can do. And what, how we can, can save ourselves. It's about how Jesus saves us. Amen. And not how we save ourselves. But are we allowing that message to do its work in our hearts? Really ask yourself this question this morning. Am I allowing God's love and I am allowing God's grace to truly change me? Amen? Amen. Ask yourself this question. Or have you grown so used to hearing John 3.16? Have you grown so used to hearing that God loves you that it, it's like, oh, I've heard that before. And you go on with your life. That is not how it should be, amen? That is not how we should become. When we become like that, we switch off our minds, we become passive, and we just start going through the motions. And what is the use then? There's, then there's no use in coming to church. No? There's no use in listening. We need to be open. We need to open up our ears, open up our hearts, and allow the Word to work in us, because it's not going to happen automatically. We need to incline our ears. Amen? Amen. <laughs> we need to ask ourselves, have I applied the truth in God's Word to every area of my life? Have I applied the truth in God's word to every area of my life? Have I applied it to how I see myself? How you see yourself? Have I applied it to how I see other people? Have I allowed God's love to infect and to, to affect the way I see other people? People that do wrong to me? No? Have I applied it to the things that I value? Do I value what God values? We need to ask ourselves these questions. Have I allowed it to affect the decisions that I make in life? 
or do I just live life? Eh? Do I just go with whatever I think is right and wrong? Do I value what God values? Have I, value, have I allowed it to affect how I spend my money? Eh? Have I allowed it to shape the purpose of my life? As the Word of God, as Jesus given my life purpose, what is our purpose? Eh? Have I allowed the truth to change what I believe about God? And what he thinks and feels about me. What is my idea of God? Because if you see God as a, as a God that is far away, that is not interested in your life, then that's, you're not going to have anything to do with God. Amen? There's going to be no change. Have I allowed the truth to change the way I react to bad things that happen to me? Have I allowed the truth to affect the way that I handle temptations? If I have fallen and if I have sinned, did I allow the truth to change how I, how I react after I have fallen? Have I accepted forgiveness? There are so many areas in our lives that we can allow the Word of God to influence us, to change us. Amen? But we need to meditate on the Word. We need to let that happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> there are many more questions like these that we can ask ourselves. It is one thing to have knowledge of the truth and another thing to believe that the truth Believe the truth and allow it to flow into every area of who we are. Are we allowing God's word to change us continually, every day? Are we living the wonderful, abundant life that He wants for us? Are we living lives of purpose? Those are the questions that I want us to, to think about. Because God wants to change your life. <laughs> God wants to change your life. He wants what is good for you. Better than you think you know for yourself. Many times we think we know what's good for us. But God knows better. Knows better. Amen. Okay, so God calls us to be disciples. God calls us to be disciples. John 8 verse 31. John 8 verse 31. You can go there in your Bible. <clears throat> John 8.31 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in Him, You, listen, Jesus said to the people who believed in Him, ne? these were believers in Jesus, mm. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here we see Jesus talking to a group of believers, okay? And He says to them, you will be my disciples. You hear those two terms? Believers and disciples. 
You will be my disciples if you remain in my teachings and in my word. So that shows us that there is a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. The difference is that a disciple remains in God's word. To remain means to stay somewhere. The King James continues, uh, says continues in my word. We will look at that later, at what that means. Um, but we need to realize that Jesus calls us to be more than just believers. Yeah. He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow into being disciples. Disciples. He calls us to be disciples. Matthew 28 verse 18. Matthew 28 verse 18. Matthew 28 verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, or even to the end of the world. But he says to them, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. He does not say go out and make believers of all nations, but disciples. When we go out and share the gospel and someone believes, they are only a believer. They are not disciples yet. Okay. Jesus turned believers into disciples when he called them to follow him. They traveled and lived together. They were constantly listening to his teaching. They saw how he spoke and how he acted. How he healed people and how he set people free. That brings us to the first, the first characteristic. A characteristic is a eigenskap. The first eigenskap of a disciple. The first characteristic of a disciple. Like John 8 verse 31 said, A disciple is a believer who continues... Who remains, who abides in the word of God. Okay. That is, I want, to write, I want you to write it down. It is the first characteristic. The first eigenskap van a ware disciple. The first, um, how should I, how do I phrase this in English? Uh, I don't know another word. Characteristics. Character... Characteristics. I don't know another English word. <laughs> Daniel, do you know maybe a trait? A eigenskap. Uh, what is eigenskap in English? Characteristic. Yes, the first indication. Yeah, an indication. That's good. An indication that you are a disciple. Okay, so. John 8 verse 31 said, A disciple is a believer who continues, who remains, abides in the word. That means to live somewhere. If you abide somewhere, you live somewhere. You make your home there. 
That is where you stay. Think about your own house. Your own house is where you want to go after yeah. a hard day of work. Ne? Mm. Your own house, your home, your room is where you want to go um, after you've had too, too much to do with people and you want to go rest now. Mm. <laughs> Amen. When you want alone time, you go there. When you want to refresh yourself and strengthen yourself, you go home. Ne? Yeah. Isn't that true? That's where I want to go if I've, if I've had enough of the world for now. I want to go home. And that is what I'm trying to say here is that that is how God's word and God's presence should be for us. It is where we go um, when we are tired, when we need rest and refreshing. His presence is where we go for safety. But thankfully, we don't have to go there Go to the Word, and then when we leave again, he's, he's left there. He goes wherever we go. Amen. And we can take His Word wherever we go by putting it in our hearts. Amen. Amen. And if you haven't got it in your heart yet, you've got it on your phone at least. Okay. To continue in His Word also means that you do what the Word says. You first receive it, and then you have to decide to agree with the word. Matthew 7, verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24. Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. This is Jesus speaking. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Mm. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. <laughs> foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the flood come and the wind beats against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Huh? Yeah. It, is, it is not about listening to a good teaching, but also following that teaching. You hear me? How do we follow a teaching? We act on it. We apply it. We obey it. We obey it. Because later Jesus said that if you hear and you don't obey, you are foolish. If we hear and follow and obey, we will stand strong like the house that is built on solid rock. If we don't, then the problems in this world, eh, the problems of the world, that is represented by the rain, the storm, the water, the wind, if the problems in this world come we will fall if we haven't applied if we haven't obeyed the teaching the difference is between both heard the teaching eh? both heard the teaching but the difference came with the one who applied it and the other one did not okay that is going to be the difference in whether we keep standing or if we fall okay Jesus said it is foolish. Why is it foolish? 
Because you have everything you need to succeed, but you choose not to use it. That is foolishness. If you have everything you need, but you don't use it, that is foolishness. To continue in His Word means that the Word is the authority in the disciple's life. Okay? It means we live our lives according to what God teaches us in His Word. We live our lives according to His Word. You hear me? When we make decisions in life, we don't look everywhere for advice and direction. We go to the Word first. He is the ultimate authority in our lives. The first authority, the first place we should go if we have problems. The first place, not just when we have problems all the time. Eh? We abide in the Word. We stay there. Um, God's Word should take first place in our hearts. Not the advice and the opinions of people. No matter who they are. Even myself. No? We don't live according to the opinions and the thoughts of other people. Even if you think it's a respected person like your grandma or your grandpa or something, someone you think this person is wise. He will help me. No? We don't go first to them. We go first to the word of God. Amen. Amen. And then we can go ask for advice if we haven't got a, an answer yet from the Word. Okay? And if those wise people in our lives, I'm not saying there isn't wise people, if their advice doesn't agree with what the Word says, what do we do? Do we listen to them or do we keep listening to the Word? Keep listening to the Word. Amen. So the first characteristic of a disciple is that he remains in the Word. Okay, that is the first, the eerste eigenskap van a disciple is to remain in the word and to apply it. Apply the word. Be obedient to what the word says. If you want to be a disciple, if you want to be a mature Christian, you have to remain in the word and apply it. The second characteristic of a disciple we find in Luke 14 verse 2. 26 Luke 14 verse 26 <coughs> Luke 14 verse 26 to 27 says if you want to be my disciple you must by comparison hate everyone else this is Jesus speaking eh? he is saying to his disciples if you want to be my disciple you must by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and your mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, verse 26 to 27. So a disciple is someone who has a commitment or love for God. Jesus is not saying that we should hate our families here. No? 
uh, other translations do not put uh, do not include the word by comparison. The New Living Translation puts it well. It says, "By comparison, our love and commitment to Him must be so great that it almost looks like we don't care about anyone, uh, anyone else, or even ourselves." Okay, by comparison. Your love for Jesus must be greater. Your commitment to Jesus must be greater than your love for anyone else. Even yourself. Have you ever met a young man or woman that just fell in love? All they think about is that girlfriend or that boyfriend. When you talk to them, it's like they are on another planet. They are constantly writing love letters and planning romantic ways to... To, make, to impress this person. Eh? If you could look into their brains, all you could see is that girlfriend or that boyfriend. Your love for him must be like that. It's God first. Amen. Your love for him must be greater than your love for anything or anything, anyone else. He takes first place in your life 100% of the time. Okay. <laughs> I like all this scripture has meant so much to me in the past. It says, Hate everyone else, your father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters. No? Our love for him must must be greater than that. Uh, a few years ago, um, Anthea and I was living in the R in the Northern Cape, and God put it on my heart to come to, to Cape Town to join Grace Life. If I loved my family, if I loved my mother and father, my brother, more than I loved God, then I would have stayed in the R. No? I wouldn't have come to Cape Town. I wouldn't have obeyed God. Sorry, but how did you hear about Grace Life being so far off north? Um, my cousin Henry, uh, he lives in, in, in Cape Town. Oh, yeah. He, he, he uh, told me about Grace Life. And I really felt God say, go to Cape Town, move to Cape Town. But like I said, it is, it's just like the scripture says, if you love your father or your mother, brother or sister, more than you love Jesus, then you, I wouldn't have obeyed Him. Amen. Then we see in Luke 14, verse 26 and 33. Luke 14, verse, sorry, 28 and, 20, and 33. 28 and 33. It says, but don't begin until you count the cost in verse 28. Luke 14, verse 28. Don't begin until you count the cost. Verse 33. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. God is calling us to give up everything you own. Our love and commitment to God must be greater than our love for the things we own. Some people love things. No? I am one of those people. I also love things. I love the house where I'm staying at the moment. I love my apartment. It's close to the sea. Amen. It's so easy to hold on to, to earthly things. 
But if God calls you to let go of those things, you must be willing to do so. Yeah. Amen. Many times people allow things like houses, cars and possessions to take first place in their hearts. And money as well. Né? And when God calls them to move or to give those things up, they can't. There's a, a very good story about a rich young man in Mark 10 verse 17 to 31. Mark 10 verse <coughs> uh, 17 to 31. Jesus called the rich young man to follow him, but he could not do it because he loved his possessions, the things that he owned, yeah. more than he loved God. Mm. In order to be a true disciple, we must love Jesus above all other things in this world. What his word says bears higher authority than what your parents, your friends or loved ones says. You hold on to and follow His word instead of what anyone else advises or says. You might feel this is a very difficult word. You might think, oh, JV, I don't know if I can do this. Sometimes I feel like that. I don't know if I can do this. Would I be able to give up everything when God calls me to do something? No? Jesus told me, just relax. <laughs> just relax. Love God. Amen. Love for God comes from first seeing and realizing His love for you. And when the time comes, if you have been abiding in His love, abiding in His word, He won't. He won't. I don't think He will ask you to give up everything you have at once. It's, he's going to ask you for small things. Be faithful in small things first, and you will grow. And when the time comes. You will be able to do what he asks of you. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yes, Rita. I was just thinking, like the example you gave of a young, passionate couple falling in love. I mean, if, if you're like that, you don't think about the stuff. You don't yeah. care about anything. No. You don't care about anything. But that no. love, you know. Definitely. And I feel that was like what happened. I don't recall any time in my life sitting down to count the cost. Yeah. I just wow. like, just this love was just so overwhelming. It's like you don't care about. Stuff. Mm. Amen. That's exactly like that. Um, 1 John 4 verse 10. 1 John 4 verse 10 says, This is love. Amen. This is love. Mm. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay. I believe that when we stay and continue in His Word and in His love, He, He will change our hearts. Amen? Amen? Change our desires. Change what we value. His love will fill you till you overflow. Many times we stress and we feel bad about ourselves. But He will change us. We, we feel anxious. I need to change. I need to be a better person. Don't worry about it. Just spend time with Jesus and He promises to change you. Amen. Amen. Okay, that brings us to the third characteristic of a disciple. The third characteristic of a disciple is found in John 13 verse 34. John 13 verse 34 to 35. 
John 13 verse 34 to 35 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. That's beautiful, huh? Jesus says, love each other just as I have loved you. Jesus loves you. (laughs) Believe it. Don't let it flow over your head or go around your ears. Let it go in. Let it go down to your heart. Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. A disciple is someone who has love for others, especially for fellow believers. Jesus said that the world will know that we are his disciples when they see the love that we have for each other. And also for those who are lost. But that scripture is talking about believers. Your love for one another in the family of God will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Okay. So a disciple is someone who loves others. Okay. The type of love that we are talking about is God's kind of self-sacrificial love. Self-sacrificial love. Look at 1 John 4 verse 7 to 11. 1 John 4 verse 7 to 11. 1 John 4 verse 7 to 11 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. And is this, pay attention, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Let's go back and look at John 1 verse 7. Uh, Sorry, uh, 1 John 4 verse 7. It starts with, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. So, love comes from God. And we have received this love. No? Therefore, we can continue to love one another. Okay? And then he continues and he says, Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So, if you know God, you are a child of God. Okay? If you are His child, you have the ability, like God, to love people because he lives in you and then it continues and it says but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love so God is love if you don't know him his love is not in you and you won't love others 
Okay, so what it all boils down to is if you have Jesus in you, then you can love. But because who is love? God is love. Amen? And if you're a believer, this is what the word know here means. Is to believe and trust in Him. It is talking about that intimate relationship that we have with Him when we come, become born again. Okay? If we have Him in us, we have love in us. And therefore we can love others. John shows us how much God loves us because he knows it is in seeing his love God's love for us that we are changed and transformed and then he says then he, he, he makes sure that we understand that we can love and then he says to us now love each other okay so it is in knowing and believing that God loves you that you will be able to love other people are we all on the same page? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. 1 John 4. Verse 13. It says, This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God. God lives in them. Huh? If you confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the son of God. Then God lives in you. I love how simple that is. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Yeah. We have the ability to love like Jesus because He lives in us. Love lives in us. How do we know that He lives in us? He has given us His Spirit. He has given us His Holy Spirit. When did He give us His Spirit? When we? We're born again when we received Him, yeah. So a disciple is a believer who is firmly rooted and planted in the love of God. Ephesians 3 verse 17. Ephesians 3 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwells in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, this is what Paul prays for the believers in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul prays this for us. He prays that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Wow. Being rooted and established in love. If we are trying to make disciples, it is not about getting people to love God more and be obedient. 
We are not trying to change them to get them to be better people. Discipleship is about helping people to experience God's life-transforming love. We show and explain His love and, we, and He will change them. We don't try to change people. You must hear this today. We don't try to change people. Pointing out people's sins is not going to change them. That is why we don't do that here in Grace Life. We don't point out people's sins. We, we point them to Jesus. Amen? We can't change people. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, cannot change people. Only Jesus can change people. Jesus is love. He, he changed a guy that was persecuting the church, a guy that was killing Christians. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. He was sold before he became the Apostle Paul. He was killing Christians. He was a cold-blooded murderer. <laughs> and Jesus met him. And instead of striking him dead after he fell off his donkey in the middle of the road, instead of striking him dead, Jesus showed mercy. And he received the grace and the love of God. And he changed from a murderer to the greatest apostle that we have ever ever read of. Amen. That is what the love of Christ can do to a murderer. Imagine what he'll do to the normal people out there. Huh? Amen. God's love will bear fruit in our lives. And it will bear fruit in the lives of the people we disciple. But we have to be rooted. I like that word. To root yourselves. Think of a plant. A plant has roots and a stem and leaves and all of that. If a plant didn't have roots, it wouldn't be able to stand upright. No? We, like plants, have to be rooted in the love of Jesus. Amen? Rooted in His Word. Rooted in Jesus. Okay, number four. That brings us to the fourth characteristic of a disciple. Defeater Aenskamp von a disciple. John 15 verse 5. John 15 verse 5. And also John 15 verse 8. I'm going to read both. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, you might, you might, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Why do we always try and do things out of our own strength? We can do nothing without Him. And then John 15 verse 8 says, When you produce or bear much fruit, you are my true disciples. Not believers. Believers also bear fruit. But we are talking about disciples here. Ne? You are my true disciples when you bear much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus says here that true disciples are fruitful. Okay, this is number four. A true disciple is fruitful. I also like how it says, when you produce much fruit, 
because it is not a matter of if you will bear fruit. It is uh, you will bear fruit when you are connected to Jesus. It's guaranteed. Okay, if you are connected to Jesus, the if is if you are connected to Him, if you are born again, if you are spending time with Him, you will bear fruit. It is not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Not whether you will bear fruit. Yeah. It's yes, it's whether you are connected, definitely. Okay. Matthew 7, verse 16. I have to pick up speed, it seems. <laughs> Matthew 7, verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot i love how it says that listen to this a good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit okay you can see if someone is a disciple by looking at the fruit in their lives what are the fruit we bear it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things <coughs> there is no law. This is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of a Christian. The Christian does not produce it. The Spirit produces it in us and through us. The main fruit that you should see in the disciple's life is love. The main fruit that we should see is love. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of a Christian. So if we have the Spirit, we will bear His fruit. Amen. So discipleship is not to get believers to lead people to God, reach out, be obedient, stop sinning. It is not about trying to change people's behavior. It is not about that. Discipleship is about making sure people are rooted in Jesus. Because that is where life comes from. We can't give them what Jesus has given them already. Or what Jesus is holding out to them. We help them. By connecting them to Jesus, who is the source of love and life. Okay. Number five. The fifth characteristic of a disciple is that a disciple lives like Jesus. The fifth characteristic of a disciple is that a disciple lives like Jesus. John 14 verse 12. John 14 verse 12. We are going to look at six characteristics. Six. So we are almost finished, guys. The fifth. <coughs> the fifth characteristic of a disciple is that a disciple lives like Jesus. John 14 verse 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works. This is Jesus speaking, the Son of God. Eh? I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. 
and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus promises that those who believe in Him will do the same works that He did. What was the works that He did? What was the works that He did? Luke 4 verse 18. Luke 4 verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus quoting from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim the gospel to the poor. He has, this is the, this is the works that Jesus did, no? Proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Acts 10 verse 38 says, Acts 10 verse 38 says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. We are also anointed with the Holy Spirit Amen. and with power. Amen? Amen? Just like Jesus. Amen. The same Spirit that was in Jesus' body when He was walking on this very same earth that we are walking on is now in you and me. That's a, that's a, a great thought to think about. Do you believe that? Amen. Yes. Do you really? Yes. You don't sound convinced to me. I love you. Okay, so those are the works. Okay, but I didn't finish reading that scripture. Uh, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, those are the works that Jesus did. As disciples, we will do the same things. A disciple is someone who lives a supernatural life. Loving people like Jesus by operating in the supernatural power of God. And I like how, how uh, Luke 4 verse 18 begins with to proclaim the good news to the poor because that's where we start. Amen. We don't just go out in the streets to see miracles and to pray for sick people. We go out, number one, to preach the gospel. Okay. That is the greatest work that we can do. The greatest work is to preach the gospel to people who are dead in sin, who don't know God, to bring them from life, uh, from death to life. Amen. That is the greatest miracle you'll ever see. To heal a sick person is just—it's just temporary. Amen. Even to raise the dead, it is just temporary. They're going to die again, and then hopefully they go to heaven. So the greatest miracle is to preach the gospel to someone and to have that person believe in Jesus and be born again. Amen. Amen. How do we do this? We receive it and then we go and do it. It's that simple. Acts 1 verse 8 says, Acts 1 verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Yeah. You shall be witnesses to me in Salaris Pass, in Cape Town, in South Africa and to the ends of the earth. Amen. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
Have you received the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes, we have. So we have everything we need. Amen? Amen. If you are a believer, you have already, be, you have already received it. Now, je, sorry, my tongue is twisting here. <laughs> you now just have to believe it and have an expectation to see these things in your life. Look for opportunities to preach the gospel, opportunities to heal the sick, opportunities to free the captives. And let me tell you, you won't have to go far to get those opportunities. You just have to walk out that door. There's many opportunities. Many, many, many. Okay, and then the last one. We are finishing off, guys. Number six. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. 2, or let's say 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. It says here, Endure suffering along with me. This is Paul the Apostle inviting us. Endure suffering. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And let's just listen to what Paul went through himself. Um, where did I get that scripture? Let me just see. I didn't write it down. Uh, where Paul lists all of his troubles. I know which verse it is, but I'm not sure which book and chapter. But just listen, this is what Paul the Apostle went through. Are they servants? Yes? 2 Corinthians. Yes, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 23. I'm going to read from verse 23. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. This is Paul speaking. I have worked harder. I have been put in prison more often. I have been whipped times without measure and faced death again and again. Is it comfortable to face death? No. no, I don't think any one of us have ever faced death, have you? I might be wrong, but five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That, that is when people pick up stones and they throw you to kill you. No? Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Can you imagine drifting in the sea a whole night huh? and a day? Wow. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have uh, often gone without food. 
I have shivered in the cold without enough clothes to keep me warm. And then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all, for all the churches. That is what Paul went through. And he was, in my opinion, the greatest apostle there. He did so much for Christ, yet look at everything he suffered. That's because Jesus did not save us to live comfortable lives. Jesus didn't save us to live comfortable lives. This world is going to throw persecution at you. This world will criticize you for being a believer in Jesus. You will have troubles, you will have tribulations, and you will be persecuted. Jesus said, Oh my goodness, why didn't I put down the, <laughs> the book name? Anyway, it's in verse 18. Jesus said this, it stands in the Bible. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Amen. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember that I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, and they did persecute Jesus, no? they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. John 15, verse? John 18. John 15, verses 18, 19, and 20. Okay. Did you, hear, did you get that? John 15, verse 18 to 21. Okay. John 15, verse 18 to 21. Discipleship is the process where we mature the believer to a place of maturity where they are ready to endure these things. That is what a disciple is. A disciple is willing to preach the gospel even knowing that these things are going to come. This is a promise. Okay? It says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, Yes, <clears throat> and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a promise in the word that you can go take to the bank. Amen? Amen? The thing is, you can choose actually whether you want to experience persecution or not. Mm. How do we do that? You it's, if you yeah, you compromise. If you don't want to be persecuted, if you don't want to be criticized, don't preach the gospel. But know that if you preach the gospel, if you seek to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Mm. Okay. Amen. So let's just summarize all of the all of the um, all of the characteristics of a disciple. Okay, a disciple continues in the word of God, and he obeys it. Okay, that it was the first one. A disciple is someone who continues in the word day by day, and he obeys the word of God. Number two, a disciple is someone. Who is committed and obedient to God. Who loves God. Okay. And then number three. A disciple has self-sacrificial love for others. Especially believers. 
Disciples love each other. Amen. They love the body of Christ. Disciples live fruitful lives. That's number four. Disciples live fruitful lives. Number five, they live like Jesus in the same power with the same spirit. Amen. And then number five, oh, number six, they have a willingness to endure hardship, persecution, and criticism. Amen. And then remember, don't look at yourself now and think, I'm not a, <coughs> I'm not a disciple because I can't do these things. That's a lie from the devil. Just spend time with Jesus. Allow himself. Be open. Be humble. Allow him to work in you. And all of this, everything we have spoken of, will come naturally. Okay. Amen. 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 What did you say? In your hardship, persecution, and criticism, and discomfort as well. Mm. Many times you saw what Paul went through. Do you think that was comfortable? No. Mm. Preaching the gospel will sometimes bring discomfort. Even if it's just this, this comfortable, not, not comfortable to speak to people. No? I find it also not comfortable to speak to people. It's easier to just be quiet and go through life. It's uncomfortable to speak to people because many times it's awkward. No? It's awkward and you don't know what to say. We are here. We are ready to equip you. Amen. What's at stake? What is at stake is that person's life, that person's eternity. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.